quickly that I am grateful to the leadership of this ministry for inviting me to be here with you today. It's always a privilege to talk with the people of God. Because as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. When I was asked to come here today, my marching orders were quite strict. I was asked to talk on revivers again. And that is what I'll be handling this morning. Can we share a word of prayer? Our Lord and Master, revive us again. Visit us with your refreshing wind. Cause us to be a separated people unto you. May we have a sense of identity so we can operate in the supernatural to which you have called us. Even as we share your word this morning, may our hearts be receptive so we we'll live here a people determined to be all that you want us to be. Thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be transacting the spiritual business of the day from Psalm 85. Verses 1 to 7. And basically, what will I be doing? I will touch on the context of Psalm 85. I will also seek to draw a few truths about the concept of revival looking at this passage. Of course, I can only give you a flavor of it because... Within such a short period, revival is so deep a topic that I can merely just scratch the surface. I'll zero in on verses 6 and 7, so I'll ask you to take a very good look at those verses. After which I think, if we are to be faithful to the, our Interaction this morning, we must spend some five minutes in prayer. So basically, that is what I'll be doing in the next few minutes. Let's read Psalm 85, verses 1 to 7. Can I have somebody do that for us very quickly? Psalms 85, verse 1 to 7, from the New King James. Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. Verse 2, you have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. Teller, three, you have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Four, restore us. O God of our salvation, and cause your anger toward us 
to cease. 5. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? 6. Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Verse 7, the last verse. Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Amen. Amen. That was from the New King James Version. Permit me to read from the New International Version. It says, You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people might rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Amen. This psalm was written by the sons of Korah. If your historical memory of the Bible serves you right, you remember that in the book of Numbers, Moses and Aaron on one side came into a theological contest with the sons of Korah and 250 other people who felt that the Spirit of God did not only reside in Moses but in them as well and they felt Moses' leadership should be challenged the end result of that contest was that Korah and the 250 people and others who joined him went to an early grave the ground opened and swallowed them but not every member of Korah's family was consumed. Some remain because God is always merciful. Amen. May the Lord show you mercy everywhere you need it. Amen. Some became doorkeepers in the temple of God. Some became worshippers in the temple of God. And today the psalm we are looking at, Psalm 85, is the handiwork of the sons of Korah who had survived the ashes of their father because of the mercy of God and were today singing of the goodness, the unfailing life, the tireless faithfulness of God. May the generation after you coming out of your loins live in righteousness and generation after generation let the word of God remain faithful in their mouths 
may they rise up as a peculiar people, a priesthood who recognizes their royalty. Amen. And what were the sons of Korah saying? They were saying, Lord, you have showed favor to your land. May the Lord show you favor. You have restored the fortunes of Jacob. Whenever anything goes amiss in your life, may the Lord restore, restore your fortunes seven times. Amen. You forgave the iniquity of your people. May the blood of Jesus speak for you every day in your going out and coming back. You covered all their sins. Not that forgiveness, so far as God is concerned, includes forgetting what you have done. We have been called, we have been justified. God treats us as if we have never sinned because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. May you recognize that and walk boldly in the holiness that has been imputed to you through the blood of Jesus. Amen. So all your sins were covered. God no longer saw them. He set aside his wrath and turned from his fierce anger. Because of the blood of Jesus, which was shed at Calvary, under which you have come by way of a covenant, you, God's anger is no longer lifted up against you. Amen. He will not be happy with you, but you are not coming under his wrath. You are not an instrument of wrath. You are an instrument of his favor. Amen. The Israelites had come back from Babylon where they had been in captivity for 70 years. And the Bible in Psalm 126 says, when they returned, it was as if they were dreaming. Their mouths were filled with laughter and their tongues with songs of praise and gladness. And the people around them were saying, wow, look at what God has done. But you see, human life has its ups and downs. Today, the person having the mountaintop experience with Jesus, even if he's called Peter, and is asking that, God, we should not go down the valley again. Let us build houses on the mountaintop and remain there with God. Tomorrow, that same person will be denying the Lord Jesus. Amen. That is how human life is. It comes with up and downs. It is in the nature of all created things to wear out and to wind down. It is in the nature of fire to go out, of sheep to wander, of love to wax cold. The boy who is saying, I love you, Tomorrow may be the boy who is quarreling with you. And you may be wondering, were you not the same person who said, you love me so much that you'll be willing to do anything for me? It's just human nature. Love works cold. 
it is the nature of the church to drift and it is the nature of people to forget because this is the nature of things we need to be revived and restored to the early devotion we had before we became loyal disciples of Jesus Christ in other words everybody needs to be revived at one point or other in their lives the question is what is revival Acts chapter 13 verse 19 gives us a very succinct definition it defines revival as times of refreshing from the Lord when you are hungry and thirsty in the spirit may you receive times of refreshing from the Lord. A revival is a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit through which God calls his children back to him. I think I'll give the slides to uh, Glenda, am I right? And then you can take it from her just by giving her your email address. Stephen Alford says, Revival is the sovereign act of God in which he restores his own backsliding people to repentance, faith, and obedience. In revival, essentially, God is returning us to repentance, a turnaround. To faith, walking on the basis of the word of God and to obedience. Any true revival will result in the church or the people of God having a greater impact in society as Christians become serious about living lives full of devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ before a watching world. When there is revival, even though revival is aimed at Christians and not unbelievers, it tends to impact unbelievers. Because when the life of Christians are changed, because they are the yeasts in the dough, the lives of the general public is also affected in one form or the other. May the Lord bring us revival. A revival that will set Ghana on fire. You may ask, do we need revival? Israel realized they needed revival, so they cried out to God, will you not revive us again? Will you not revive us again? Verse 6, that your people may rejoice in you. In fact, the Hebrew Bible says, Surely you will revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you. There are a number of the people of God today who don't know what to do with their Christianity. They don't want to let it go because they recognize that there is something good in it. But it is also too much of a headache. So they would have liked to do away with it. So they are caught between two stools. 
they don't want to do without it and they are not comfortable with it. Sometimes that is how it is. But the verse we are reading says, Revive us again that your people may rejoice in you. If you are not rejoicing in your Christianity, if you are not dancing before the Lord, if you are not excited that you belong to him, if you are not happy that you are under the cover of the blood, if you don't see the difference between you and the people who lack the Lord, if daily you don't lift up your hands and bless the Lord and acknowledge his goodness and recognize his bountiful care over you, his tireless love that will never let you go, then there's something wrong with your Christianity. Christianity properly lived is exciting. Amen. I can't tell you the number of times I have stood before God night after night and then I've just stood there quietly and then I'll be weeping. I respect unbelievers a lot because I keep on asking myself, how do these people survive? In the midst of so many snares of the fowler, in the midst of the nets that the enemy has cast, in the midst of the traps that he has set, how do you even go home and return in safety? But for the grace of God. Amen. In the midst of COVID, at 67, driving towards 68, why would I leave the safety of my home and come and stand here without a mask? Because I have lost fear of death. Satan himself knows that I don't fear him. I see him as believe me because we are the body of Christ and he's under our feet. Amen. I have agreed with the Lord that I will go home, but I will go home without being sick. Some people invited me from Bulga and said, can you come and minister for two days in May? In a period of COVID, I'm going to take a plane. I'm going to take a vehicle. They will send a vehicle to pick me from Tamale. I'm speaking in a large church for two days. When people of my age are finding comfort in the safety of their homes, it is because we walk under the shadow of the Almighty. He's our refuge and strength. Our very help in times of trouble. From everlasting to everlasting, He is God. The blood speaks for us every time. Amen. Friends, we need revival because... Sometimes we find ourselves in a state of complacency. We are satisfied with the status quo. Of we have reached a point where we think we are at the mountain top and we don't need any other. That is one of the challenges of riches. Wealth can lure you into a false sense of satisfaction that you have it we need revival 
when our lives fall into listlessness and lifelessness, sometimes you are just going through the motions. You are having your quiet time, but there's nothing exciting about it. You are going through the motions. In a time like that, you need revival. We need revival when the Lord, love of God cools down and our soul no longer responds to that love. Prayer becomes mechanical. And fellowship does not bring the excitement that it should bring. We need revival when we come to the place in our lives. When indifference marks and characterizes our attitude towards whether people are saved or not. There are many of us who for the whole year will never talk to another person about Christ. You ask yourself, where are they going to if they fall down dead today? If they have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, where are they going to? And yet it matters very little to you. We need revival when we find our lives more and more enmeshed in the things of this world. Selfishness and personal fortune has swept us along. I remember one day I was riding in a top-end car and I went to a feeling, uh, fueling station to buy some fuel. And there were two attendants there. And when I stopped, one of them said to their friend, Kofi, be very careful with this car. Because if anything perchance happens through your negligence to this car, you will have to be sold to pay for the car. Wow. I've heard of many stupid statements in my life, but this was at the height of them all. A human being. The highest creation of God who bears the image of God has to be sold to pay for a car. So I could not stand it. I came out of the car and said, wow, did I hear you say that? Never ever say that again. This guy is worth billions and billions and billions of this top-end car because he is a creature of God and he bears his image. So never say that. I thought my point was well made until after my car had been fueled. I was driving trying to drive away and the same boy said, Master, as for this, your car, if you were to give it to me, I will not sit in it. I'll carry it. (laughs) (laughs) I think when your escalator does not go all the way to the top or when the lights are on and no one is at home, Sometimes it's very difficult to change people like that. So I just drove quietly away. Because I didn't know what to tell him next. I thought he had learned his lesson. But it is not him alone. Even as Christians, 
We are so immersed with the things of the world that you see the be end and end all of your education as an instrument to give you a certain position in society that will allow you to be lord and master of others, earning a certain amount of money so that you can live with creature comforts in a manner that will call for the adulation of people. For many of us, that is it. Even some of our prayers, you go to the field at midnight and you are praying. You are just praying about your exams. You are praying about a visa to be able to get a scholarship uh, uh, out and things like that. We still carry a lot of worldliness in us. I remember going to a student ministry to preach. And when I reached there, I was riding in a brand new car. And then the president who had come to meet me said, he forgot of even what I was coming to preach about. He said, wow, you have a nice car. How much did it cost you? I did not answer him. If he has decided to make his home in the gutter of spirituality, I was not going to join him in his folly. A single word of God residing in your heart can change you in a manner that brings eternity into you, into your children's children. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who pays careful attention to his commands. His children will be great in their land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Not that you have wealth and riches, but they will be in his house. So when he goes, he has to leave them behind. Amen. The blessing of the Lord through his word is so great that you should not be chasing money. It's a sign of crass poverty. For you to be chasing money instead of the one who owns the riches of all the wealth, the silver and the gold, the cattle on a thousand hills. May you learn to set your priorities aright. Amen. Does Ghana need revival? And then I'm going to ask you, does Abedi Pele play football? Or does Cristiano Ronaldo score goals? When you have a country of people, 72% of whom claim to be Christians, and yet the country is not being transformed, 30% of its GDP goes into corruption. Definitely that country needs revival. The problem with Ghana is that we are full of arrogance. Not just we, the members of the church, our leaders in addition. When you draw near to them, they are full of braggadocio. They speak big words of prayer. But when you examine their life, they cannot stand inquiry. Petty corruption. I know because I don't deal with commoners like you and myself alone. 
I am the chairman of the uh, Assemblies of God Ministers Pension Scheme. And any pastor that is to go on retirement passes through my outfit. Sometimes when I see the behavior of some of our leaders, honestly, I go back and open my Bible again just in case I'm holding the wrong Bible. Because definitely they have a different Bible I have not yet seen. We need revival. Amen. Don't be deceived by the thousands of people who go by the name Christian who are praying day and night. You only have to grow near to them to find what they are praying about. Perhaps praying for a husband. Perhaps praying for a wife. Perhaps praying for a visa. Perhaps praying that his enemy will be destroyed. These are criminal prayers sometimes. Criminal. I'm not saying praying for a husband is not right. But if that is all you do when Ghana is burning, when souls are going to hell, when your country is going to hell in a, in a basket, wow, then there's something wrong with you. We need revival. Examine your life. You need revival. I need revival. Last year, I joined a 21-day repentance program that the full gospel joined. And they said, we want some people to be praying one hour every day until the end of the program. So I joined. When I joined, virtually all the spaces had been taken, except between 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock. It was just one of the empty spaces. So I said, okay, I always pray one hour between 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock. That was one year ago. 21 days, they finished. I said, why should I go back to my normal way of life? I wake up in the night to pray anyway. So I'll continue to pray with that group, interceding for Ghana from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock every day. And I've been at it. I will not leave it. I will die with it. Because it is not about me. It's about our country. It's about the land of our birth. It's about other people. It's about the millions who need Christ. It is about the brothers and sisters who need to be touched by God in one way or the other. And it needs people who are traveling in prayer to bring about transformation. Amen. It's not about speaking, uh, sleeping comfortably. It's not about that. If you look at Psalm 85, it teaches us to remember that prayer for revival starts with remembering the gracious acts of the Lord in the past. The pressures of your present afflictions should not make you forget to remember the Lord's graciousness to you in the past. Don't join, jump immediately and begin to deal with your present affliction. Remember to thank him for the past. Psalm 50, 23 says, He who offers thanks offering, honest me and prepares the way for me to show him the salvation of God. So the psalmist started with a recital of God's past graces to them. 
you, Lord, has shown us a favor to our land. You have restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all your sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure towards us. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. So prayer for revival starts with remembering the past graces of God. May you remember the past graces of God in your life. Nothing is so pressing, so depressing, so difficult in your life today that your mind cannot accommodate and retell and declare and celebrate before the Lord his past graces to you. As you do that, the key for your future comes into your hand and your future begins to open step by step. Amen. May you always remember the past graces of God to you. There will never be showers of blessing until you acknowledge the mercy drops that are around you. There will never be showers of blessing until you acknowledge the mercy drops of rain around you. If you are waiting for the full-blown blessing of God before you thank him, it will never occur. Thank him for the, what you are seeing around you. And as you do so, the door for the greater graces of God will be lifted up before you and you enter into another level of grace. Amen. May you move from grace to grace. Who brings revival? Revival is not like a faucet or a water tap or water fountain that we turn off and on as and when we desire. Psalm 85, 6 says, Will you not revive us again? Will you, you the Almighty, you the Lord of hosts, you the sovereign God, will you not revive us again? Only God can send revival. Amen. Only God can send revival. You cannot program revival. You cannot, it's impossible to schedule and plan for revival. God brings revival in his sovereignty at the time he wants to bring it. In answer to the cries of his people. Our job is to cry and his job is to bring it at the appropriate time. May the Lord make you experience revival at the chosen time, at the set time that he has decreed for you. Amen. So we have to pray for revival. When revival comes, God's people get right with God. There's a great forsaking of sin in the land and a great drawing nigh to heaven. This is revival. If we are still hiding our sins and deodorizing ourselves with phraseologies picked from uh, pastors who are speaking bombasts, nothing will happen in your life. In humility, you have to learn. 
to open your life before God. Amen. And to cry for your sins. When God's people commit themselves to God's work on earth, then revival comes. We say revival has come. Many of us are using the medium of COVID to say, you see, because of COVID-19, witnessing is difficult. Because of COVID-19, we cannot go whole church program. Because of COVID-19, we have to limit so, so, and so. I'm not saying you should treat the protocols in this day. You should not. You should take it very seriously. But nothing on earth should supplant the love of God in our lives. God has provided us with creativity to be able to go over and beyond every obstacle that faces us. Even in a period of COVID, certain things can be done better. I have realized that with myself and other members of the National Executive Committee of Full Gospel, we pray better during COVID. Because formally for us to pray some people were in Kumasi, they have to come down to Accra. Some, one person is in Takwa, he has to come down to Accra. Many of us are staying at different parts of Accra. We all have to gather together at one place. But now because of Zoom, we connect and we pray as often as we desire. So our prayer life has improved during COVID. It has not come down. It has improved by three to four times. Because the regularity of prayer is now so easy, we didn't touch that at the least instance we pray. May God deliver you from ceremonial prayers and bring you into His presence in travail night after night, even in the period of COVID. Amen. I got to enjoy God better during the lockdown. Because everybody kept away from me and I could spend time in the word of God hours upon hours upon hours upon hours uninterrupted. If you didn't get better in your relationship with God during the lockdown, then there was something wrong with your reasoning. It was a golden opportunity God gave us to lift up our relationships with him to another level. May the Lord give you the uh, wisdom that comes from the mind of Christ. Because you are no longer an ordinary human being. You are carrying the transformed mind of Christ in you. And so wherever you are, creativity will visit you if you want it. Amen. When God's people boldly witness and testify to the grace of God when you are not afraid to speak about Jesus then there is revival when there was no revival Peter who was seeking warmth from human fire was confronted by a little girl and he denied Christ when revival came when the refreshing times had come from God after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he could face the whole world and, sp- and, and speak boldly about Jesus Christ. Anytime you are hesitating about whether you should speak of Jesus or not, then there is something wrong. 
There is revival when God's people travel in organizing prayer. When Zion traveled, she brought forth her children, sons and daughters born into the kingdom of God. May you travel in prayer because the revival fire of God has touched your heart. Amen. Let's be up on our feet. Let's stand before God in due reverence. The psalmist said, Will you not revive us again that we may rejoice in you? Will you not revive Revive us again that we may rejoice in you. As you stand up, the enemy of your soul will tell you you are not qualified to cry for revival. The only qualification is if you are testy. On the last and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Anyone who is thirsty, not anyone who is worthy, not anyone who is qualified, not anyone who is trained, not anyone who is mature. All that is needed from you is an admission of test. The heartbroken man is thirsty. The shame-filled woman is thirsty for acceptance. We are thirsty, thirsty to be happy, thirsty to be who God made us to be. You were not made to be a servant of God. God has a plethora of servants in the form of the angels who can serve him better. According to Romans 8, 29, 30, whom God for new he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he will be the firstborn among many sons and daughters God did not want an only begotten son he wanted many sons and daughters so he created you so that you could join the line of Jesus to become one of his children so that Jesus will be the firstborn among many sons and daughters. That's why you were created. It's not because of your service. God wants to relate to you. And when he created you, the word of God says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. So when you were born again, you were transformed from a mere human being to a spirit. A spirit of the God kind who oppress in the supernatural. That is your birthright. You carry the divine presence in your heart. It's not our cathedrals. It's a big lie. God's presence is in you. You are carrying that presence. Amen. You have been created to perform in the supernatural. And you can only be happy and rejoice when the revival fire of God is within you. Then you operate according to the normalcy of the supernatural. Cry out to God to bring revival into your life. Cry out in whatever language. Cry out in whatever manner. 
you can cry out in silence because your voice can talk. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. As you stand there, ask Him to bring revival to you. Ask Him to bring revival to you. stolen from us. We rise up in our sonship and daughtership to declare that we have been created to operate in the supernatural. We thank you for the privilege of carrying the divine presence within us. You do not dwell in temples made of human hands, but you dwell in us. That everywhere we go, we will provide evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago by showing men that we are more than mere men. May you bring great revivals into the soul of those who are gathered here this morning. May you visit us in a hunger and test. Oh, may your love that is greater than life fill our lives. May everything that we hold dear pale into insignificance before your glorious presence. May we cast down our thrones and our crowns at your feet because we are nothing without you. May you release your new visitation and a fresh anointing upon our lives that we will move from one degree of glory to another. All to your honor, all to your praise. In Jesus' name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.